welcome to the Modern MBA podcast with Marie Kerwin and Kristen Rossi. Our mission is to help MBAs coming from, going into, or merely considering more unorthodox career paths. We're a community to find inspiration and share stories. Today, we speak with Joanne Chesney, a practice administrator and business director from Central Kentucky Head and Neck Surgical Associates, about her career in healthcare. My name is Joanne Chesney. Originally, I'm Canadian, born in Valdar, Quebec, and lived and moved throughout most of Canada as my dad was military. I did an undergrad in economics at the University of Waterloo in Canada, and then I followed that up with a master's in health administration at the University of Ottawa, also in Canada. Finally immigrated to the United States in 1997 living in Lexington, Kentucky. I became a citizen of the United States in 2011 and then decided to do my executive MBA at the Kellogg School of Management at Northwestern University at Evanston, Illinois. You've been in healthcare for a very long time, if not all of your career. And Mm -hmm. the past 23 years, you've worked as the business director for Central Kentucky Head and Neck Surgical Associates, correct? Yes. Brilliant. Can you walk us through your career to date? Right after completing my master's in health administration, I took a great job um, at the Queensway General Hospital in Etobicoke. Um, it's now named Trillium Healthcare. There's been a bunch of mergers in the uh, Canadian healthcare and environment. But essentially, it was an operational turnaround opportunity with the health records or the health information management uh, departments and the registration departments opportunity for operational efficiencies, staff cross-training, technology implementation. And then I was promoted within that organization with enhanced responsibility for diagnostic imaging, rehabilitation, cardiorespiratory. And then this provided opportunities for revenue enhancement projects and the development of a comprehensive risk management um, uh, procedures, essentially for coroner's inquests and uh, medical inquiries. After that, I transitioned to what I would probably suggest was the most, almost the most diverse, but certainly the, probably the position I've really enjoyed the most. And that was a contract position spearheading the merger between the Queens, uh, Queens, uh, the Hillcrest Hospital and the Queen Elizabeth Hospital. Um, That now is known as the Rehabilitation Institute of Toronto. As the vice president of support services there, I had essentially oversight for every department with the exception of pharmacy and nursing. Um, It was an intense uh, realignment of the operations across all of the departments between Mm -hmm. the two organizations. The two that were especially difficult were finance, because of course you need to integrate payroll, payables, receivables. And then on the other side, um, dietary, because that they were servicing nutrition, completely different models. Yeah. Um, and then there were opportunities again, or not opportunities, but there was necessities for streamlining of management positions, cross training again, realigning, rationalization and cost savings. As the merger was closing, I started the immigration process to the United States and became the business director, practice administrator for Central Kentucky Head and Neck Surgical Associates. Initially, there was a really steep learning curve, albeit you can study the theory about another healthcare system 
Yeah. <laughs> but at a practical level, you know, what were the hospital objectives and are they aligned with physician objectives? Yeah. What does that really look like? Is there interrelatability between the hospitals? What does that look like? Yeah. What's pre-certification? Because that's essentially something Canadian healthcare doesn't deal with at all. Yeah. So to kind of sum it up, and I know this next part could be a little bit nitty gritty, but this role that I'm in is very diverse. It is very broad and it is very consuming. Um, essentially, I'm chief operating officer of a multi-million dollar corporation. And it is every aspect of finance, accounts receivable, cash flow, accounts payable, month ends, information technology, human resources, hiring, firing, retention, performance review, job descriptions, policies and procedures, employee benefits. That's always a stickler here. And it's yeah. all the marketing, press releases, media events, health fairs, radio talk shows. And then there's wow. regulatory compliance, OSHA, CLIA, DEA, yeah. you name it. And entire systems around licensure, credentialing. One of the most difficult aspects of this job is actually doing insurance contract negotiations. And I knew that as a fairly small cog in a very large um, highly weaponized area where the insurance con insurance payers actually have the bulk of the power. I actually went on the board of, of a uh, local uh, IPO, uh, an independent, the phys it's called the TPN, the Physicians Network, which is 600 physicians. And together we negotiate contracts. So I sit on that board as well. You're able to do so many, work in so many different areas. So yeah. I feel like you would say, it stays fresh. The work itself stays fresh and interesting and constantly changing. Yes. Two days are never the same. And then, mm. of course, COVID-19 <laughs> really altered things because that that then put us, people in my similar positions, with spearheading our corporate responses. What was it going to look like? How are we going to treat people? Um, you had PPP to acquire that became limited pretty early on as people essentially stockpiled everything from hand sanitizers to uh, masks to uh, gloves to gowns. Why did you decide to do an MBA? I think my my process simply put was you don't know what you don't know till you know what you don't know. <laughs> it's sort of a mantra of mine. And I guess I have an inquisitive nature to start with. Yeah. So I really wanted broader exposure to tools and thoughts and theories and analytics, good analytics mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. other industries, financial skills and good frameworks. So I really wanted to broaden my horizons. How do other businesses run? Are there other ways of of doing the way we do things better, leaner. Um, and because of the sheer time commitment, interestingly enough, I did um, take a part-time MBA course here at the University of Kentucky at the Gatton School of Business and did a sales management course where I had an outstanding professor, Dr. Jules Gassenheimer. And I really wanted to say, okay, could I manage the workload given my current job workload? Could I physically and is there enough hours in the day that I could accomplish this? So mm. she, her final words to me, you can do anything for two years. So <laughs> I was off and running at that point. <laughs> That's really good advice, actually. It's true. When you think of it, just it's just two years. Actually, you think you make, it changes your mindset. So then 
again, more on the MBA, what was your experience like and what skills did it add to your career and what challenges did you face? Um, I would have to say if, if you were to ask me when I was a little old lady on my rocking chair, I would have to say that this was probably one of those outstanding learning and life experiences. Hmm. I had classmates, number one, you know, Kellogg School of Management is like, has been historically the number one ranked, you know, executive MBA program. So I literally had classmates from around the world and across the spectrum of businesses. And the program itself fostered my interest in international economies and development. I mean, the mm-hmm. class, we did a, tr- a trip to the global initiatives trip and global initiatives and management. The trip was to um, China. So we were in Suzhong, Hong Kong and Shanghai and Beijing. And then you just really delved into because you had a project and a deliverable to do over there. And ours was on healthcare in in China. And it was extremely enlightening things that emergency departments that we were in were going through four and 5,000 patients in a 24 hour period of time. Yeah. I mean, that's just numbers that I couldn't even reconcile my, my brain around. Um, and being treated in a lot of cases for simple dehydration. Hmm. So um, that was just a, a, an unbelievable deliverable from the program. Our second live-in week, we had uh, two live-in weeks. Our second live-in week, it was integrated with classmates from the um, uh, Kellogg School of Management in China and the Rekhanani School in Israel. And it was a completely integrated um, mix of the um, people out of Chicago, out of China, and out of Israel. And you did two classes side-by-side, strategic crisis management and negotiation skills. So again, those two courses were probably the two that I would say were the highest in terms of deliverables for me personally and the best environment within which to get those two courses. And then after that, we did, um, uh, we were offered an ability to go to Israel to complete two more courses. And that was a t- completely elective. And I chose to do that. So I spent six weeks in Israel. And did two courses over there. So again, you know, stimulated my my uh, learning for you know continuous learning. Just was an opportunity of a lifetime, essentially. And studied for for six weeks over in Israel. So then, and then, so we talked about um, what the experience is like and how it sort of enhanced your career and what you learned. Were there any challenges that you faced? It's funny. I would say the only challenge, and and I, it sounds funny to say this, was really time management. I mean, I was flying in and out of Chicago every other weekend for two years, plus the six weeks in Israel, plus the four weeks in China, plus two live-in weeks on top of that. And it wasn't as bad when you were there, but it was the opposite weekend and the opposite week where you were just that next weekend where you were just trying to get everything read and prepped and you're coordinating online with, you know, passing various versions of papers around and who, you know, you're trying to set up boxes so that it wasn't interfering with what you were doing for your job. And that, that was the real, it was the time management. And, and I'll be honest, at times there was just certain points where I couldn't give a hundred percent. And I know that, I mean, it just couldn't, I just plainly ran out of time 
And, and that was the beauty about working in a group environment is, is if they knew that you, it was just not in your bailiwick, then somebody else from the group pitched in. So then what skills do you feel are key in healthcare, specifically in business strategy and operations? Business strategy for um, healthcare, I think you have to strive to be very disciplined. I think you have to be consistent to that strategy. And I think you have to communicate that strategy throughout the organization so everyone's on the same page. And for Central Kentucky Head Neck, that meant we weren't going to enter an urban market, for instance, Mm -hmm. that our strategy was to deliver quality service at the local community level, prevent people from traveling in from the small towns to get health care in the urban centers. I think it also means you have to look at are there complementary products you could be offering. And for us, obviously, it, it transitioned into the hearing aids. Um, I think also healthcare is a resource-based economy. So there's intense competition re- to retain your human capital. Yeah. I think you have to watch for new entrants um, because that really can cause some disrupt in your market. I think you have to be nimble. You have to be a quick mover. Um, you have to enter new markets if somebody leaves a particular market. And I think you have to embrace new technologies where it's appropriate, where it's cost effective and where the outcome to the patient is better. So for us, for instance, that meant using the harmonic scalpel, which decreases pain and bleeding for tonsillectomies and implementing mm. the, the, the sinus um, navigation system for sinus surgeries. So I think you have to be very strategic um, and really disciplined and consistent is for, for business strategy. Those are skills that you really, you really have to know what you're doing, who you're servicing and why. So then are there any tips for individuals in healthcare that who are considering doing an MBA that you, that you'd provide? I would say just perseverance, perseverance Mm -hmm. and keep an open mind to the frameworks and the analytics and how they can be applied to healthcare. Um, Just be prepared to learn and seize the day. Just Mm -hmm. do it. And that that sounds simple, but um, there were a large number number of us in the class that came from various aspects of healthcare. Mm -hmm. We had uh, one of the heart uh, cardiac uh, um, implant uh, gentleman in the class. We had a surgeon. There was myself running, you know, a surgical practice. So there were, and there were others that I can't even think of now. There was a large number of healthcare people in various parts. And it's, it's an easy, um, let's put it this way. This is a, they, to just get in and do it. They'll, they'll get the reward out of it. If yeah. they're looking to learn something, they will. Let's put it yeah. that way. Yeah. I completely agree. I mean, yeah. for anyone who'd asked me about doing an MBA, I said, just don't even think about it. Just sign up and you'll love it in the end. <laughs> yeah. and, the, and in the end, you'll, it'll change the way you view things. Even on yeah. a day-to-day decision basis, it will alter your skill set. It will alter your skill set and likely your mindset too. Yeah, I, I totally agree. That's great. And then we kind of talked about the skills that are key in, in healthcare. Are there any tips for MBAs coming from outside the sector who want to move into healthcare? Do you have tips for them? And maybe how would you recommend that they tell their story? This, uh, I'm going to be fairly on. This is a really tough question for me mm. to answer. I deliberated a long time <laughs> on this question. <laughs> and I'll tell you why. Because there is so 
so much of your movement within the healthcare sector depends yeah. on your credibility. Hmm. And I don't think you have credibility if you don't know the fundamentals of healthcare, especially hmm. here in the United States. And I would say in Canada as well. And I think hmm. by and large, we're starting to see within the United States, by and large, more of the larger health systems are moving towards clinicians running that have obviously a strong management background that have gone to school to, to, to buffer up the, that side of it. You're starting to see lo- significant numbers of physicians running hospitals and mm-hmm. or nurses running hospitals. Mm-hmm. And I think the pandemic kind of played this out in a little bit. Um, Cleveland Clinic, which is a significantly large and has a very prominent reputation, is run by a physician. And Mm. that particular gentleman never ran into problems with PPP, PPE, sorry, because Mm. he, he had done a bunch of models recognizing what might happen and prepared for the worst. So that, so, really, that sector knowledge really, and like his, his, just his, the, the detail of his knowledge, he knew what to look for in correct, preparation. Correct, how to be prepared. Yeah. And a large parts of the United States weren't prepared. And healthcare is very complex. Yeah. Patients have low literacy here, meaning mm-hmm. that they're, they're illiterate when it comes to understanding deductibles, out-of-pocket expenses, how to mm-hmm. enter the healthcare where to seek care, when to seek care, how to get basic preventive care, who should treat them, when do they treat, when do you see specialty care, what are the differences between a physiatrist and a neurosurgeon, when do you see a neurologist versus a neurosurgeon, Um, what's the payer side look like, what's my covered benefit underneath my plan, what are my covered medications, what are tier one, tier two, tier three, health illiteracy is pretty prominent here and physicians offices practices hospitals are essentially the translator of those services even though it's been bought by their company per se there's generally not an understanding of it and where would you say for someone if they want they come out of the MBA and they do want to move into healthcare where do they start so they need to learn these things but where would you recommend that they start as a starting point I would say you could go in one of two directions. You can either self-teach, and that doesn't take a lot. I mean, if you were to just dive into the healthcare literature and the healthcare reading, you get a fairly good background, at least in that. A a couple courses in medical terminology online, you know, Hmm. Coursera, et cetera, would bring your medical terminology up. At least you would have an understanding of what a CT is versus an MRI versus, you know, the various versions of even COVID tests on the marketplace, if you will, when to do one versus the other. I think the other place to go is to go into consulting, healthcare consulting. You would have to be very junior in a large firm, but you would learn very quickly how hospitals operate if you were to be a junior person coming in on a major revamping or restructuring of a healthcare system or Mm -hmm. hospital. Yeah. So then you've really had to operationally kind of, I would say that must be scramble, but 
figure after you really refigure the operations with COVID, then you really must have been very stretched. Oh, very much so. And I'm still I'm still at staff shortages because not all of the schools are open yet. And so if a school's not open and I have staff that have school age kids, they're trying to figure out how to teach their kids from home. That negates yeah. them working at my any one of the offices of the clinics. Yeah. Yeah. So we're short of staff too. Wow. It's incredible. It's actually so interesting. I and and I have to say, um, your passion really comes through. So I think that that makes it all the more fascinating for me to listen to. Um, <laughs> your passion for what you do really, really comes through. That's all for today's Modern MBA podcast. I'm Kristen. And I'm Marie. If you like this episode, remember to hit the subscribe button on Apple Podcasts. You can get access to articles and more great content by visiting our website, themodernmba.co.uk, Facebook and LinkedIn under The Modern MBA, and on Twitter at MBA Modern. Until next time, bye! Bye!